Hello, I'm Monsignor Jim Lasanti. Today, and personally speaking, I'll be joined by British actor and singer Julian Ovenden, who has starred on Broadway and is best known for his role as Lady Mary's suitor, Charles Blake, in the award-winning series Downton Abbey. Please stay with us. Welcome to Personally Speaking. I'm your host, Monsignor Jim Lasanti, and British actor and singer Julian Obenden joins me now. Julian has starred on Broadway and in the West End of London and has an international career as a concert and recording artist. His theater work includes Merrily We Roll Along, Grand Hotel, Death Takes a Holiday, and Showboat. He also starred for two seasons on the worldwide hit show Downton Abbey. On U.S. television, Julian was a recurring cast member in Person of Interest, he also appeared in the NBC series Smash and portrayed Robert F. Kennedy in The Crown. And his recent film work included Colonia, opposite Emma Watson. Julian won a music scholarship to Eton College and a choral scholarship to read music at Oxford. He made his Carnegie Hall debut in 2014 and is a regular performer at the proms at the Royal Albert Hall in London. He has sung with the New York Pops, the New York Philharmonic, and the Royal Philharmonic, among a number of other leading world orchestras. His debut album in 2013 was If You Stay, followed by Be My Love, and his Downton Abbey Christmas album, which went double platinum. Julian is one of three children of the Reverend Canon J. Ovenden, a former chaplain to Queen Elizabeth II. He married soprano Kate Royal in 2010 in a ceremony conducted by his father. And he and Kate are the parents of Johnny Bow and Audrey. Julian is here with us today to talk about his life, his career, his family, and the values that sustain him. Joining me now, I'm so pleased to welcome to Personally Speaking, the acclaimed actor and singer, Julian Ovenden. Before we get to our interview with Julian, though, let's listen to him sing. Here he sings Be My Love from his CD, also entitled Be My Love. Be my love for no one else can end this yearning, this need that you and you alone create. Just fill my arms the way you filled my dreams, the dreams that you inspire with every sweet desire. Be my love and your kisses set me burning. One kiss is all I need to seal my face. Julian, we've been going back and forth in this. Ovenden, and we're doing it right? 
I, it's a, I really, I don't really mind. I have no real strong feelings about the pronunciation. Because okay. <laughs> every time I tell someone, it, it, then they say it the other way. And I don't, to be honest with you, I don't really know. I don't really know where I come from. I, I, I'd like to, my, I'd like my lineage to be much more exciting than it is. I'd like to have been, you know, a Brazilian, like my, my family have, you know, heritage with, I don't know. South American pirates, but I, I think it's it's a little bit more. Wherever uh, it comes, it has served you well. So, first question has to do with that family you come from, uh, Julian. Yeah. Family of origin always intrigues me. Uh, you know how much of where we come from forms and shapes us. When you now have uh, Audrey and Johnny Bo, so you have this next generation coming up. You and Kate, there's two beautiful children. You look back on the way you were raised. What did your parents do right in raising you that you'd also like to do for your kids? Oh, well, that's a good question, isn't it? Uh, uh, yes. Uh, wow. That's, uh, how do I start by answering that? Um, I think when you're a parent, um, the older you get, the, the, the more you sort of, I suppose, divide things up into um, things that you want to, you know, sort of behavior that you want to sort of continue down the line and things that you adhere to and then things that you probably do differently than your, than your own parents, probably because of, I don't know, generation, generational differences, the way society changes, you know, we're dealing with things in, in today's world that we would never have imagined, you know, 40 years ago when my parents were bringing me up. Um, But certainly I think that, what I'm grateful for from my parents is a kind of, a, a, certainly a sense of the, a, a strong work ethic. Mm-hmm. My parents both worked when I was uh, growing up. Um, a, 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 a love of the arts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose an emphasis on all round, an all-round education. Um, and... Um, you know, on top of all the sort of boring kind of manners. You know. <laughs> um, but I think it's important for kids to be be able to be kids, mm-hmm. you know? I think we, we rush through things so much nowadays and we, we there's so much so much of a need to kind of attain and achieve quickly that we're not giving people the chance to develop in a natural and organic way. And so what we try and do is, as well as kind of encourage them, our kids in, in what they're interested in, is able to give them space to just be children. Okay. Um, I kind of know the answer to this question, but I'll ask it anyway. Um, can you imagine anything that these beautiful children could ever do that would cause your love to be conditional and not unconditional? Wow. That's a question. It's impossible, really. I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I think it's. I mean, you would have to be. You'd have to be talking about something that was heinous, mm. something that was, you know, kind of completely out of character. I can't imagine. I can't imagine them do, doing something that would would have that kind of effect. Um, you know, unless they had a complete personality bypass or they were I, I don't know I mean I think I think forgiveness I suppose what you're asking is, mm-hmm. is about forgiveness right and I believe in forgiveness and redemption um, although I'm not I'm not a particularly religious person although I come from a religious uh, you know my father and my grandfather right. on one side were, were, were priests so um, 
but I do believe in in um, in trying to understand people who have committed terrible crimes. And when I look at, you know, just dipping my toe into politics just for a second, when I look at, you know, the last month of all these prisoners who have been on death row, you know, the federal prisoners, and they've been sort of rushed through you know, mm-hmm. the execution, I do feel that when I read about this, read about their personalities and what went wrong, I suppose before they had committed these terrible crimes, yeah. you sort of can understand the path to, 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 to that kind of behaviour. And, and also you'd wish that society was grown up and um, enlightened enough to, to understand that and give them a space from which to heal. I have a, a family in my parish and the parents recently told me their son had been arrested, put in jail. And what struck me about them, he's 30 years old, the son, they're like about 70, but they have already put their house in hock for bail and gone into their limited savings for a good lawyer. And I said, how sad it is that at this point in your life, you should have to be doing these things for your son. And the father said to me, because Monsignor Jim, you're not a parent, you might not know, but when you say yes to a child's life, you say yes to the whole thing. And I guess you're saying to me, in terms of your children, you and Kate, expect to love them always and forever no matter what that's kind of amazing i think so i mean i think that's <clears throat> i don't think you can get away from that yeah i don't think you can i think you'd have to sort of divide your you'd have to cut a piece out of yourself yeah. you? um for you to be able to have those thoughts i mean i'm sure it must be difficult for example take take an example of uh someone who who is who's gay and her and their parents just do not accept them. Right. And I suppose when re- religion perhaps and uh, uh, lifestyle or religion and uh, uh, sexuality or whatever it may be cross, mm. maybe there are, some, so there are some difficulties. But still, I, I, I believe that we need as a, as a society, as a human race to learn, you know, if, if this last year, has taught us anything is to be more accepting, to be more forgiving, to be more understanding, yeah. to be able not to rush to judgment, to listen more, to take time, you know, and, uh, and, and let's hope that the, the, you know, our kind of slowing down in a way over this last year has been able to, um, to shine light on those qualities. We're here talking to Julian Ovenden. Julian, um, you know, as a priest, every weekend, pretty much, I had the chance to uh, celebrate weddings. And in order to preach appropriately, I ask each couple to, each individual of the couple, to write me an essay. Why of the billion people out there, they, they could have married, they ended up with this one. I don't know <laughs> if you got that kind of assignment, but if you had had to write an essay on why Kate for you, what would you say about her? Why Kate? <laughs> um. The, oh wow! Uh, we're getting we're getting right into the nitty gritty here. <laughs> this is not a softball interview in any way. <laughs> but you're so good. <laughs> Wednesday afternoon, and I'm like knee deep already. Uh, I remember my father. I remember my father asked, you know, because he married us right in church. Uh, this was about what well, it must have been about ten years ago. We just had our tenth wedding anniversary. Um, and uh, he sort of asked us those kind of, kind of questions, although he phrased it differently. He said, you know, what would you like to change? What irritates you? 
um, but I guess it just you find someone who you can't um, who you can't do without, I suppose. Mm. And it might not be the obvious choice. I, I certainly found that with Kate, although she's many, many things that I'm attracted to. Um, I think that she is opposite in many ways to me mm. and, um, and, and challenges me and um, I suppose doesn't give me an easy ride. Um, and she's a really good, you know, she's, you know, she's grown so much over the last 10 years. And I feel like we've grown. It's interesting, in a, you know, in a, in a long relationship, the sort of different passages you go through and you navigate through. And, you know, so um, I feel like we're on the journey together, which is so great. And it, it, we always, I always feel so, I don't know, I can't wait for the next chapter. Right. So, so I don't know, I don't know how to express it. You know, it's very difficult. No, 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 that's, that's perfect. Now, if I had Kate here for a moment uh, and said, why Julian? Any ideas on what she'd say is the central reason that, uh, she's, the, she's this beautiful, talented, wonderful woman, but she chose she, you, Julian. She'd probably say that Hugh Grant was already attached. <laughs> now, let me ask you something, because you're this thoughtful and reflective guy. You talked in uh, one interview about the, the key to acting, you said, is the ability to listen well, which I love. But then I thought to myself, a lot of your life has been lived on stage. When you're doing a performance time and time and time again, how does one listen effectively to the actor across the way who's giving you the same line you've heard a hundred times before? Uh, that's a good question. Um, certainly I feel that the first thing as actors we tend to forget um, is to listen. And if you, when I'm doing masterclasses or workshops with younger actors, it's probably the number one thing I say because that's where our information comes from. That determines how we react and it'll give us everything we need, generally speaking, um, if you've done your homework. And so, uh, so much of being an actor and a performer is looking inwards, but there's too much of that. And certainly in the last 20 years, and, and, and especially with social media, actors have become incredibly uh, vain, shall I say. Not, sometimes, sometimes it's not their own fault, but mm. just the way the business is, business, it's taking pictures of yourself. Yeah. 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 <laughs> All right, right. And it's become, you know, I've certainly been, been uh, guilty of this to a certain degree, although I'm fairly careful about that side of the business. Um, and it's, it's really easy to forget that it's, we are only good as the person and the story that we're working with, right. the actors we're working with. So the great, if you watch the great actors, I always think the great acting is, is, when, is, in, the, is, in, the, is in the shot where it's someone else is talking mm. and is there listening because then you get real, real... You get real stuff, not stuff that has just been worked and worked and worked. It's happening right there. And I think that in terms of what you're talking about when you're doing something repetitively, mm -hmm. um, yes, it's a common question. It's like, well, doesn't it get boring? 
<laughs> sometimes it does. Sometimes uh, it does. There have been times when I've been, you know, doing a show and I'm singing or I'm acting, but in my mind I'm going through the shopping list for, you know, the next morning or whatever it may be. However, generally with good material, it's, it's like playing great music. Mm. You don't tire of it, you know, and there's always something new. It's not like it's the same. There's the audience is new. There's, you know, there's some, you know, the, the actors that you're working with will deliver lines in a different way. There'll be a different energy and it'll be, it'll be like starting afresh. You know, you say it's uh, dependent so much on the, uh, the talent providing you with the script. What, what, what's your, the work that you're doing? I had this, when we still wrote letters, I had a 30 year letter writing relationship with the actor Paul Schofield. And I would regularly invite him to come over to America to give a talk on this or that. Uh, and he said to me once, uh, I'm only as good in what I have to say as, as the words that I'm given to say. He said, so I'm just Paul Schofield. <laughs> he said, of no particular insight, he said, <laughs> which I thought was amazingly humble for him, but that's how he felt, you know. And Yeah, and he's right. He's right. I mean, there was a time in television, you know, 20 years ago, perhaps, maybe 10, 15 years ago, when the writing wasn't, wasn't so great. Mm-hmm. And you had as an actor, I think, to be able to polish it. If you're a good actor, you're able to go, okay, this doesn't really work, but I'm going to make it work. Right. But since, I mean, there's been an extraordinary um, explosion mm-hmm. in the world of television. And the standard is amazing. And some of the writing is extraordinary, better than a lot of, a lot of movies. That's true, yeah. Uh, because you can, you know, you can expound on a, on a, on a set of characters over the course of, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 hours, you know, which is amazing. So mm-hmm. the, the audience just is able to get into the fabric, you know, the deep matter of these people. And as actors, that's so amazing, such a gift. Um, but yeah, writing, great writing is, 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 a, is so wonderful because it means that you just have to be a vessel rather than putting too much on, onto it. Now, we, uh, Lisa and I here, want to get to see you um, in some beautiful writing, and uh, and you 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 punked out on us. We went, we got tickets to go see Death Takes a Holiday. What happened to Julian? Oh. Oh. <laughs> the kid, so, the, the kid who took your part was fine, but he's not you. Oh, uh, yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, you know, weren't you? We have these moments in life where you are severely tested. <laughs> um, yeah, it's difficult to 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 um, to explain exactly what happened. Um, but I was totally fine. Everything was going well. I'd had a, we were expecting our second child. Um, oh. and it had been a bit of a kind of roller coaster few months because we'd moved to America at that stage. Um, and we already had one child and I was also working with Weinstein on his first musical. And that was a roller coaster. <laughs> and I think I was sort of under pressure to a certain degree. <laughs> And the, all the previews went great. We did quite a lot of previews, about 35, 40 previews, all good. And I felt strong. And then one morning I woke up and my voice had just departed. It had just gone. There was no warning. There was no like I was feeling hoarse. Mm-hmm. Or, I mean, and I'm very aware of my voice. I'm, you know, I have a lot of training. I really know what I'm, I'm doing. And 
it had just gone. Mm. Uh, so I had to kind of, it was terrifying. So I had to kind of go to various people saying, what's happened? I went to two to two voice doctors who couldn't find anything wrong with me. Uh, I went to some weird witch, you know, like shaman. I, I went to everyone basically in New York and no one could tell me. <laughs> like the singing cowboy in Times Square. I was doing everything. And I had like, you know, it was like three days before the opening. And I, I just, it just, it just lost me. And I didn't know what, what had happened. So there was a guy I knew in, in London who's a physio and he specializes in the larynx and that sort of stuff. So I knew that he would be able to tell me. So in the end, having missed the opening night, I flew myself back to London, had some treatment. And it turned out that, tiny little muscle in my in my neck had basically gone into spasm wow um whether because of overuse or i don't know what but it just i remember going we were in the beach the day before and maybe and i remember being like in the surf and i remember being kind of tumbled a little and maybe something had like i twisted something or something had gone out of you know alignment anyway he's able to started to release it but it, it was going to take you know three or four weeks to properly <laughs> release itself and that particular muscle allows the larynx i'm going to get a bit technical now but allows the larynx to 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 um to turn which mm -hmm. which allows you to sing high otherwise you're you're sort of cut cut off and you can only sing like you know up to a certain point use your head voice if you know and and i didn't have that and the, the part was incredibly demanding yes and so yeah there was three weeks it was quite a short run but i had to say look i, I just can't do it for our listeners, Julian's voice has completely come back. And if yeah, you go, <laughs> if you go to YouTube, he's on YouTube regularly with, uh, who is that wonderful actress? Bogus, Bogus, Bogus? Sierra, Sierra Bogus. Bogus. Yes, magnificent. Now, speaking of your music and your song, I have a, one of the albums here, Julian. How should folks around the world who listen to a lovely show like this get hold of Julian Oven's music? Um, that's a good question. I mean, the music industry has sort of changed so, so much and people don't buy CDs anymore, although I think it is possible <laughs> to buy CDs, but they just take it off the, you know, they rip it off the, the internet. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm sure it's on Spotify or there's lots of clips of me, of me, of me singing on, um, on, uh, YouTube, YouTube, right. And also on my Instagram stuff, I've started doing that for want of, you know, kind of not being able to perform. Mm -hmm. I've started doing stuff in my top room, <laughs> uh, like a busker. Um, but yeah, I mean, and Sierra and I are planning an album that um, that we're trying to make at the moment of of, of you know favorite musical theatre duets, um, which has been fun. Which we which hopefully will be released at some stage um, in the next two or three months. I would have thought, uh, but it's quite a challenge as we're both in different different countries. Um, but it's certainly one of my one of my kind of goals in the next two or three years is to sort of come back to New York in a show and sort of write the write the wrong of you know six seven years ago. We, we will be in the front row cheering you loudly. We promise. Now I also had a chance to see Julian recently, tip of my listeners, uh, in a great new film called Made in Italy, where he gets to play perhaps one of the best jerks I've ever seen in a movie. Now that obviously was a fun part, but this other part where you play Tom Paine is, is dark, dark stuff. When you go into uh, a dark place like that in your acting, what do you do, Julian, to uh, 
make the break, go home and return to being husband and daddy and, and peaceful Julian. It must be so hard after dealing with something so dark as Tom Paine. Uh, I remember interviewing years ago, Liam Neeson, right after uh, Schindler's List came out and saying, how do you make a film about the Holocaust and then go home? And he said, well, I, I couldn't for a while, but can you make the break? Can you make that distinction between this is my job, now I'm back to normal? Yeah, I, I don't seem to have much of a problem with that. I don't know whether that makes makes me a sociopath. But, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think that, um, well, hey, so this, this show you're talking about is called Adult Material, which is, I think it's now on HBO um, in, in the States. And it's, yeah, it's, it is very strong. It's probably the strongest, certainly one of the strongest pieces of television that's certainly been on English TV. Mm. Um, and it's about the... Porn and just pornographic industry in in the UK, and the character I'm playing is you know is entirely, uh, I mean just horrible. I mean a real sort of evil evil character. But it's those kind of characters that um, I know you kind of really really want as an actor. You right. want to play. Right. Yeah, it's that kind of stuff. I you know I'm so glad to be out of the young romantic you know ingenue. Because they are the most boring characters. <laughs> right. They might pay you a lot, um, but it's dull. I'm not. I'm really bored of that. And it's really nice to get my teeth stuck into some real, you know, depravity. Frankly, you know, it's like it, it's. It, I think when you get to you know you approaching middle age, um, he says, slightly horrified. Um, <laughs> Things just get a bit different, you know, and it gets a bit more interesting. I want to uh, thank Julian Ovender for being on our show. I want to thank you, Julian, for being so honest and forthright to admit what you knew and to admit what you don't know, but to do it with such uh, genuine humility and goodness. Uh, I'm so grateful for you and for all that you've done, and I hope you come back to New York, and I hope we get to share you on. And uh, and thank I'll you for... Oh, don't worry. I'll de I'm definitely coming back. Good, good, good. <laughs> Have a good day. Bye. is the one thing that we want more of. Without the donors, I wouldn't have my Audrey. They take care of our housing. They take care of our food. In addition to the best medical treatment that my daughter could ever have. So it allows me to focus on my daughter and getting her better. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Finding cures, saving children. Learn more at stjude.org. As we end today's program, I want to thank you all for being with us. To listen to Personally Speaking as a podcast with some of our most recent shows, please go to YouTube and search under Personally Speaking with Monsignor Jim Lasanti. And don't forget to click like and subscribe. Personally Speaking is also available as a podcast on personallyspeakingpodcast.buzzsprout.com. You can also listen to past episodes by going on www.closeencountertv.com and clicking the radio button at the top of the page. I'd also like to invite you to go to listen to more of our episodes by going to www.ollmp.org. That's my parish website, www.ollmp.org. And if you decide you want to financially support the airing, personally speaking, we'll tell you how to do that by going to that page. I'm privileged to serve as host and executive producer, personally speaking. Our producer is Lisa Jandovitz. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be with you next time on Personally Speaking.